Welcome to our Anything Goes podcast. Uh, this is something we do as Village Church where we tackle issues and questions that people submit, or sometimes it's just culturally relevant uh, stuff that's going on. And obviously right now uh, in time, we're dealing with this massive impact of coronavirus uh, all over the world and specifically uh, how we're going to deal with that in Canada and with our you know, village church impact in our locations. So what I wanted to do is bring uh, Pastor Josh Cruz, Dr. Josh Cruz, onto the Anything Goes podcast uh, to talk about some of the specific issues around this. Uh, you might not know, we on uh, Village Church staff actually have uh, a full-out registered clinical psychologist as part of our staff uh, pastoral team, which is an amazing blessing to have. And so at a time like right now, where so much is up in the air, there are so many issues that people are personally having to deal with, thought this would be a great opportunity to bring him into the studio here and uh, pick his brain on this, maybe provide some help for you if you are dealing with certain things, uh, but also then help for the rest of us to know how to deal with people around our, our lives who are dealing with these things so that we can be more aware and actually helpful uh, for family members or friends or other people around us in uh, our community. So, uh, Josh, tell us uh, just quickly a little bit about you, who you are, to give people an idea. And I just want to say, um, if you're listening to us on the podcast, you may be wondering, are we sitting really close to each other? We are not. Definitely we have not. lots of distance between us, and we're awkwardly having a conversation yes. from different <laughs> sides of a table, and it's going to be weird. But yeah. that's weird for us and not for you listening. So, Josh, tell us, uh, what's going on in your life? Uh, who are you? Yes. Uh, yeah, Josh Cruz, uh, one of the pastors here at Village. Uh, it's yeah, privileged. Been on staff for about five and a half years. Oversee counseling, marriage ministries, care ministries as well. Um, registered psychologist. That was a big part of my training. Actually had no direct intentions in coming into a pastoral role, and God grabbed a hold of me, and it's been awesome. I feel like I got another degree just engaging with people and learning and the, the beauty and the freedom of being able to integrate faith with counseling and I mean, for times like these, as people are going through stuff, to be able to enter in knowledgeably, uh, to provide spiritual, psychological, relational connection and hope. Right. Um, yeah, married uh, to wife Rachel, um, and then have four kids. Um, yeah, if you're listening online, I don't look like, <laughs> I look like I'm 20, uh, but I have a 17-year-old <laughs> son, 16-year-old um, daughter, 11-year-old daughter, and uh, nine-year-old son. Um, right. So full house. We're noticing it with all this. Uh, try to remain in the house as much as possible stuff. Right. <laughs> cool. So um, one of the things I love about uh, just us as a church is around an issue like this, uh, we sometimes I think in maybe in faith communities, um, this sort of stuff can get over-spiritualized. It can uh, it can go in a different way where we, we treat real medical things, real psychological issues uh, in a way different than how science and the world actually deals with this stuff biologically and clinically. And what I love about us is we just say, no, we are going to actually have someone a part of our team who gets this from the real science uh, perspective of this. And uh, I think that's great because it's super helpful for us as a church to be able to, um, I think, learn from you and, uh, and the impact you've had just in so many uh, conversations with people, sessions with people, but also you have a whole team of counselors mm -hmm. who've been trained to actually see it this way in the church, which I think is super, super helpful. So how about for you personally, over the last little while, as all this stuff has unfolded, what have you found to be maybe the worst part for you personally, like that mm -hmm. you're just experiencing yourself going, man, this whole change of society 
I hate this part of it myself, and here's what I'm dealing with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's definitely been a progression. It's interesting just following the news and the ripple effect of, wow, that's concerning out there. And as it starts getting closer to home, it gets really close to home. Friends, family, especially finance stuff, uh, people who either know that they don't have a job right now, and yeah, within our uh, with our family context, um, close friends, and then also people who don't know going forward, or maybe one of the spouses has lost their job and. So that's been a direct one, and then the health stuff too. So my grandma, my wife's Oma, how are they doing? Um, are we uh, making sure that they have all their needs cared for? Um, yeah, so it, it's almost like it gets closer and closer to home, almost down by the day. And so that's right. been really big. Um, yeah, I felt unsettled in this. It's We're in different times right now. And so uh, what is that about? How do we navigate this? How do we do this? Um, one thing seems somewhat trivial, but it was a big deal. Like we were set up to go to Hawaii, uh, my mm, wife and yeah. I. So uh, we don't do many trips. Last time we did a big trip together was probably, I think, 2007. And so this is a big deal. It's not like we do this every year. And so we're a month away and here we go. And then all of a sudden the news gets closer and closer. And then realizing, I don't know what it was, maybe two weeks ago. Yeah, it's not happening. Right. So. Uh, yeah, that's been difficult too. And then readjusting kids now being at home, like my grade 12 uh, son, this is his last year of school. It looks very different. We went, yeah. uh, hmm. got him a blazer, like a suit, um, I think probably three weeks ago. Um, I don't know if he's wearing that. I don't know if they're gonna do like a grad thing. Can we return that? Like even some of the like little detail pieces in there, uh, that's been really hard. Positive end. Um, yeah, I mean, we've been able to get a little bit more rest. Uh, we're trying to be more intentional. So it's almost like a, like a cabin mindset or camping type thing. Hey, we don't have a lot. We have access to technology, but that gets old. Um, I, unless I discover new apps or new things on the internet, I feel like I've exhausted the internet. Um, and for the kids as well. <laughs> you found the end. Yes, that's <laughs> I right. got to the end of the internet. And it's a little less satisfying than I had hoped. And yeah. so boredom starts coming in. But with that, I do find like we're getting more creative. Uh, we'll play board games like we haven't before. Uh, we're now starting to think outside of the box of, um, I think you can go online and then you can do Zoom or FaceTime and then also like we could do a board game at the same time. I'm not a big board game person. It's just all of a sudden, we played poker the other day. I had these chips that I, a box I had never opened and now we're using the poker trips and so teaching my kids wonderful stuff, um, <laughs> but having fun with it. It's an opportunity to teach your children how to gamble. It's fantastic. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we'll One come of the out silver of linings of this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> we will be changed people. And, <laughs> and then at the bigger level, so like, uh, yeah, as you've been rolling with as well, like the church is changing um, in positive ways in the sense of it looks so different. And so how do we engage with this? Like system structures we've had in place. Okay, we need new systems or structure, like now, like we needed it yesterday. Um, uh, yeah, one of our pastors was then talking about, it's like we're building the plane in the air. Like the plane is up, it's going and all this, but let's make sure that we're doing this really well. How do we meet the people? So that's that's been an exciting piece. Like we can actually reach out in new ways, uh, even down to, yeah, whether it's uh, podcasts or sermons, whatever's then going out there. People that wouldn't normally go to church, like they don't have to leave their home. They might tune in for five minutes, but that's five minutes more within a church, so to speak, or access to sermons, worship than they'd ever have. So that gets me fired up. Like in an event, so Rachel, my wife, and I have been praying more than we normally do, been in the word more than we normally do. Part of it's time, but then also it's like, hey, we're in different times. Like, let's lean in. God, what are you doing here? Like, we're praying for a revival coming from this. So that, like, yeah, God didn't like take a step back and I don't know what's going on here. What are we gonna do? Right. He's very much involved and we wanna get on board online. And so kind of feel fired up about that. Cool. So. so let's talk about a couple of the issues. So. 
I think when something like this happens, it, it seems to me that it's almost like a big magnifying glass gets brought out over society. And it's not like what we're going to talk about here in terms of issues are things that never existed. It's almost like, no, now everyone has to confront these issues because there's nowhere to hide. And it's like, you know, anxiety and fear and the loss of control and human to human contact. Isolate. These are things that people mm -hmm. are dealing with every day. It's just that this happens and suddenly it all is exposed. And now more people are having to face this. And uh, I wanted to get into a couple of those things. So let's start with maybe the issue of fear because you know, you, you, you watch the news because you want to know what you're supposed to do and not. You watch the news because you're trying to get a handle on where is it going and what am I supposed to be doing and can I still go out and can I go to work and all these things. Where's the stock market? Where's it? So you kind of need to tune in to some level. But on the other hand, it's a lot of bad news <laughs> mm -hmm. and not a lot of answers about what's coming next. So how does a person specifically deal with that? If, if they're a person and maybe they're listening to this or, or they know someone who is like, what is that experience? Explain for us what that experience is like for a person when they enter into that mode of like fear, that anxiety and fear that just starts to take over. What is, what is mm -hmm. that experience? Yeah. And I appreciate what you're saying. It's, uh, it's not like something new then came in. So yes, coronavirus new, but not in terms of the human experience. Um, that magnifying glass, it's almost like fear is there. It's actually like, if we look at the big picture, it's adaptive. Like we need fear. Like we need to have concern within our, uh, within ourselves. It needs to show up in our thinking, in our bodies, our physiology, what we're feeling to result in action. We either need to step into something, step into action, or sometimes step back. Like mm -hmm. I'm thankful for yeah. fear because it keeps my kids from um, like even just walking off a cliff. Um, right. It's something that's wired into us. Actually, I did a, a study a long time ago, the visual cliff where, yeah, you've got two little ones, right? Yeah. Um, and so if we put them on a, on a table and then it was glass and it kept going, they would hesitate at the part that there was just glass there. Like there's something God wired into us to say, hey, danger, careful, right. what's going on? So we're wired to tune into things. But then, yeah, that magnifying glass, the volume level can be higher for some people than others. So it's almost like we're carrying whatever we were carrying even coming into this. And then this is added for some people, minimal. Like, in, and uh, they actually need to probably have a little more healthy fear or respect for. Um, so the social distancing piece, it's like, no, this should show up on your radar more so. And there are others where it's way on the other end, like perpetual panic then coming in. Um, and they may have then revved higher anyways, just even biologically, uh, we're all wired different. Um, life circumstances could impact that too, to where there's this vigilance or a tuning in to a greater extent. So all of a sudden things become somewhat in unsettled. What's mm, happening? Right. And then you talk about that news exposure piece. It's then it's in our face and then it just starts feeding uh, what's going on within us. So yeah, I think it can show up I mean, let's even talk about our bodies, like heart racing, a heaviness, a fatigue that comes in, um, even just this like buzzing that happens of, I don't know what's happening, but I just feel a little bit off right now. Right. Um, and once again, a whole range of what that looks like for people shows up emotionally. So fear itself, but then with some of that fatigue, with some of that not knowing of what's going to happen in the future and um, even then tomorrow, um, yeah, discouragement, despair, depression, all sorts of stuff can come in, um, even around boredom of, and loneliness, absolutely. So we're going to talk about in a bit of just that, the importance of social contact and what do I do in light of that? 
and then our thinking, of course. It's then what's the focus? Um, and, and that's that. Uh, I think it's important to recapture the beauty of how God wired us of we're supposed to notice things when they're out of place. Right. Change happens. We should tune into that. It's like walking into uh, the house and it's like, oh, you, the couch is in a different place. I don't I need to notice that because um, I might trip over it or, hey, did you get a new haircut? Is that a new outfit? What's this? What's happening? We pick up on those pieces because if we didn't, every environment's brand new and we have to take yeah. in all that information and that's just overwhelming. I always miss the haircut thing with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> it causes a lot of you. anxiety. <laughs> yes. I like what I'm seeing. <laughs> but yeah, we're yeah. then prime for that, right? Yeah. It's we need to see these things. We need to notice. Hard part is. There's a lot to notice if you're then swimming in the news um, as people right. are even you're, you don't even have to look for it. Like so whether it's social media uh, type stuff and all of a sudden it's showing up, you're then you don't have to be digging even. And then it's there. And what happens? It can then get into racing thoughts. We start spinning with it. It shows up in our body. We start feeling that. And then the output of that is what we end up mm. doing. Uh, do we then disengage and shut down, like, or even fight, flight, freeze stuff? Or do we actually start panicking and irritability then comes up and we try to organize this whole world around us? Um, we're basically trying to put into place things that are now new and showing up right here. That takes a lot of energy that I didn't actually have a reserve for coming in. And it's one thing if it's an hour. It's another thing if it's a day. But, man, is this days? Is this weeks? Is this months? What's this right. going to look like for us? So, so on the fear piece, just kind of more from that, um, from that psychological perspective, that clinical side, a person who's experiencing that, what are some of the practical things that you would say to a person like who's experiencing some of those things you were talking about, you know, where maybe, maybe they're sort of just realizing, even if they're listening to this, that, oh, that's actually what I'm dealing with because this is how I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, like I'm thinking about there, there are things like, you know, the kind of sources you rely on could be a simple thing. You know, if you, it's one thing to put on, you know, CBC News Network or whatever news, and they're gonna tell you whatever, go on and read an actual, you know, accredited mm -hmm. clinical paper on where the virus is at and whatever, like those, that's one category of things. And then you have, you know, the thing your aunt shared on Facebook, right? And all those things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just like, it's like that old garbage in, garbage out, you know, good in, good, it's like, control that as mm -hmm. one step maybe in your life and kind of assess where are you getting information from but but what else can people do if it's that fear piece to, to help kind of mitigate that a little bit sure i, I think uh almost bottom up like so uh, yeah moving to what you're saying just second of what do we do in our body even um mm. seen a lot of posts around take a deep breath and and, and sometimes right. that can be a bit of that calm down sort of thing. Like, that's not helpful. But it actually is. Uh, why do people say it? it's cliche for a reason? Because what happens is our physiology gets acted, uh, acting up and wired up, and we can get dysregulated, which feeds the racing thoughts, which mm. feeds the, the, the unsettled within us. And so can we take a step back from whatever it is that's fearing us, panicking us, mm. um, concerning us? Oh, Take that deep breath, deep breath, start to slow down, even find rest, um, whatever that looks like person by person. There can, uh, if you're able to come into social contact with people within your home, ask for a hug, reach out, sit close to somebody, take a bath, warm tea, like all those things that are typically soothing, right. you need those. Your body has a little bit more to deal with than it did before. And you may not have the same outlets, like uh, let's say going out for a run or a hike or a jog, and that's more and more limited now. Um, and so how do you actually just care for your body and the basics mm. of that in there too? Right. 
and then emotionally, part of it is then grieving the changes. So uh, we have our expectations for life. This is part of the um, adaptive aspect of this is gonna happen here, structures, routines, wonderful, great. We need them as much as we can find them. But then when something else comes in, a new reality comes in, that gap between expectations and then reality can become much larger. How do we bridge the gap? We grieve. And it doesn't mm. just mean uh, somebody died and I need to grieve. No, it's a grieve is a change from um, the expectations you had into the new reality. And we move through a place of greater acceptance. And, and uh, so talk about, um, talk about stages or the cycle uh, of grieving. Of It's like a denial. Like, this isn't a thing. Oh, it's just going to blow over. Um, it's like Y2K all over again. And it's not. It's different. Um, and there are things we need to do about it. Um, their anger can come in and just the frustration like you think of kids uh, then yeah. throwing a tantrum like what I thought we were gonna do this and you right. said I could get a candy bar you could yeah. uh. and then we can do adult tantrums too um, which are yeah similar we're then complaining about stuff we're getting irritable questioning what's going on we're trying to grasp some sort of control um, and then even a depression it doesn't have to be clinical it can be but a sadness like a man, this is hard, moving to a place of greater acceptance. Because once mm. you're moving to that reality, this is the reality. This is what we're in right now. Kids are now, um, a lot of them are, have to be homeschooled. That is a huge shift. That's a right. huge shift, definitely for the kids, for the parents involved. What if they both still have work? Uh, what a blessing that then is. But then how are we going to navigate this? Where one yes. of them's out of work. It's one thing to be a parent. It's another thing to be a teacher, right? oh man, that's the reality. We then grieve that. We don't pretend it's not happening. Um, we don't just, well, everything's gonna be great. Let's be fine. No, it's, that's a change. That's hard. And can that just be okay? So you're, you're validating yourself in that. Like, yeah, this is upsetting. Um, and I'm gonna move and work towards just embracing what is right now. Right. Talk and, about, I love the mm -hmm. part about the physiological stuff people can do. I think it's really interesting because I was thinking about, and maybe you can tell me if my analogy works or not, but it's like, I can only, I can only mentally rehearse having a good golf swing so much. At some point, I need to actually exercise the muscles physiologically to make the right swing. Then I can start doing it, but I can't do it until I start practicing it that way. And it's almost like you have this stuff thrown at you in life and then you have to go, okay, something like, you know, hey, try every night turn your phone off, put it in a drawer, not watch the news and watch a TV show or play a game mm -hmm. or whatever with literally no external thing for one hour every night. And you might notice, okay, I actually feel better, like mm -hmm. better, better, but like it actually makes a difference because you're actually rehearsing muscle memory to develop a pattern of how to actually feel mm -hmm. uh, in some of those moments, which actually makes a difference. Yeah. So, I love that physiological piece because I think that's tangible that everyone can actually do. Yeah. Uh, so let's say let's pull back from coronavirus altogether and just working with our, our physiology, our psychology in there. Uh, a lot of times then in counseling, we'll talk about people, especially if they're carrying angst, fears, worries, whatever it is, panic. Okay, part of your homework for this next week is work on slowing down your breathing uh, and even doing some of the grounding type stuff as we talk about. It's even just look in the room. What are five things I can then see? I'm getting out of my head and whatever fear or panic is fueling this angst within me, I'm now thinking about, oh, I see then lights, I see this table, I see this microphone, I see you, I'm taking this in, what am I hearing, what am I smelling, what am I tasting, what am I, and then sensory stuff's big mm. as well. Even just, okay, whether it's putting our hands on the most relaxed part of our body um, mm. and just tuning into that a little bit more, 
takes the focus out of the feared stimulus and into relative calm and right here in the moment. They'll talk about that a lot right. with mindfulness. You have to watch the like, kind of Buddhist philosophy stuff with that. Sure. But the true mindfulness, just being mindful. Like, yeah. there's a lot going on right now. If we get really quiet, you can probably hear sound of lights or even at your house or wherever you are listening, you can pick up on different sounds. It pulls you into the moment, which can bring a calm then within you. And like you're saying, the more you practice that, there's that procedural memory. It's interesting, I'll, I'll be sitting with a, with a client and let's say they're, they're panicking or I'm just teaching them how to slow things down a little bit. I'll start doing some deep breathing. We actually start to resonate off one another. Mm. It's either I'm gonna come up to their angst or they're gonna come down to my calm and we're gonna somehow find each other in that. So I start taking deep breaths, but because I've practiced it a lot, I start moving into like a yawning type thing because my body's like, oh yeah, no, all systems, we're super efficient how God made us. And so it's like, oh, I know what we're doing here. Oh, riding a bike, yeah, pedal, 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 balance, right. here we go. Yeah. Oh, deep breathing, calm, yeah, we can't go to the panic place because we're doing the calm thing right now. It actually shows up in our nervous system. Yeah. Uh, sympathetic nervous system, panic, fight, flight sort of stuff, parasympathetic, and they can't hang out together. So we start practicing outside of angst, slowing down, deep breathing, so that in angst, it's like, okay, well, what's happening? What are we doing here? And then you keep at it, and all of a sudden your physiology starts to come down. Mm. Best time to practice, in your bed at night. Right. Uh, I love that. Put your phone off to the side. Don't feed whatever could cause angst or even stimulate your brain in that. Lay down, take those deep breaths, just even in your head. I'm going to do this for 10, 15 minutes. What's the worst thing that happens? You fall asleep. Um, right. Oh, I didn't finish the exercise. Great. And then what you can do is take that in the moment where it's like, this news just came out or this just happened or I just got a call from so whatever mm -hmm. it is and okay take a step back yeah this is upsetting this is new this is um, there's some fear within this I need to be tuned into this calm down so we can actually engage more of our brain to decide okay what's our action step here and it's not panic filled it's actually right. grounded to go forward uh, more fully engaged yeah and I love um, I love trying to cut off some of those things, those inputs in a way where I can't access them. Now, I'm not great at this, but I've, you know, I've done this at different points and, and you feel it. You actually feel it. You know, I'm going to go for a walk and not bring my phone and I'm going to walk for mm -hmm. 30 minutes mm -hmm. and you go, okay, well you leave the house and there's nothing you can do now to access things. So you kind of get over, you kind of have that acceptance moment, like maybe mm -hmm. the first three or That's four right. minutes of your walk, but then you're like, yeah, I guess the world didn't blow up while I was away on this walk. So that's okay. Mm -hmm. And it just forces you to not be on with all that stimulus. Now, obviously we have to be careful what we do and what we don't socially right now and all that of kind of thing. But it's finding those ways to, yeah, I'm just, I'm not accessing, I'm not gonna let myself in, in certain modes. Um, mm -hmm. What about those of us who are around people who are dealing with this? Like I wanna make sure mm. we're sensitive to the fact that so many people are dealing with this around us that we might not even realize. So maybe quickly, like what are a couple things we need to be thinking about as people around people dealing with this? Because it might be us, but it might not be us. Mm -hmm. but it's definitely people around us in our lives. Yeah, uh, I think check-ins are huge. Um, so whether it's mm -hmm. a spouse, family member, a uh, close friend, uh, even just let them know like, oh, I was listening to this podcast and you know what, I'd like to check in more. Mm, um, you can be explicit about that. Can we do like even scaling? Some people hate this, uh, putting numbers on it. A lot of people, it's good because you have to tune in. Scale one to 10, where are you? 10 is, mm. I am absolutely panicking right now. And on the one level, it's like, I'm on a beach in Hawaii. Um, things are then great. 
but that can change in a moment throughout the day. But even, so let's say if you're apart from somebody in your family or a friend, roommate, whatever it is, and you're coming into contact, hey, where are you right now? And if they're at a nine, that's good. Uh, or it's good to know. Um, and it's good that they can actually share that with you. Because part of what makes mm. this overwhelming, as we talk about with isolation stuff, is doing it on your own. Like that, that can be so burdensome. And even as I was talking about a minute ago of regulating, if I, uh, so let's say, uh, hey, Jer, how you doing? No, I'm an eight right now. You know what? I'm a five. So I'm, I'm not on the beach, so to speak, in terms of calm, but I'm in a different place. Okay, let's borrow a little bit. What's going on? What's, um, uh, what's happening for you? Yeah, I read this. I heard this. This is what's going on. I'm just, I'm bored. Like, and that's frustrating. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what things look like going forward. Finances, I'm running the numbers, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what tomorrow will be like. Oh, okay, that's, that's a lot, and you just move in with empathy. Um, you're not going to fix it. You don't know what tomorrow brings as well. So you listen. Right. You try to understand what's going on the best you can. Just give them space, like that emotional space, like big ears, um, small mouth, um, yeah. and then move into what you can do with them. Okay, let's pray. Let's do this right, right. now. Because what you're doing, and I have a practice of this um, for clients who give me um, their consent or actually want this, I'll pray with them at the end of a session. Because what I'm doing is I'm taking whatever's coming up during that time, holding them um, emotionally, uh, figuratively in that time, and then connecting them with God who's going to go with them going forward. He can then carry those burdens with them. So many promises in his word and just my experience of that. Huge, right? And then being able to say, yeah, I know I hear what you're saying, Jared. Can we pray? Um, and then moving into that uh, because it reminds us who's in control. It reminds mm -hmm. them too. And that's just even that's in the good. natural sense. But in the powerful supernatural sense, we are actually then invoking some of what God's wanting to do to care for them, love on them in this too. Yeah, and finally on the, on the fear thing, just tell us a little bit about that, that thing that we shouldn't do with people. Maybe it's trying to fix it for them thing mm. it's like if a person's really going through this like they really feel that anxiety and it's it's to a level of it's not just hey i'm a little stressed up but it's i have a an actual you know this is a psychologically affecting me to a certain level and and it's it's impacting my life and it's, it's a fairly serious thing the idea of kind of like oh well let me rationally explain to you why you shouldn't feel that way how can we resist doing that? I know that's something I've learned even in pastoral ministry over years, right? Mm -hmm. Is sometimes actually just someone wants to come in and talk to a pastor. It's like the best thing I can do is just shut up mm -hmm. for half an hour and let them talk. And at the end go, okay, mm -hmm. that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. Can I, okay. And then they thank you for helping them. And you're like, this is your job's easy, Josh. Yes, like what, what on earth are you going to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so talk, talk to us about that because I want to make sure we're not, you know, doing the opposite mm -hmm. of helping yeah. uh, with people around us too. Yeah. I think a uh, big thing, yeah, show up, shut up. That, that's, that's huge then coming in. Um, and the hard part is some of those like fix it's uh, or, but wait a minute, what's your source of information? What's this? Um, getting to that point, there's value there. It might, truth, you may even come into truth in that. The hard part is um, just even working with our brain. Uh, you can view it almost on three levels. You have your rational thinking brain, your emotional, um, like your limbic system then in there, and then you have your just base level fight, flight, freeze sort of stuff going on. That's where panic kicks in and overloads everything in there. That's why I start with, hey, your body, slow it down mm -hmm. so that you can better engage emotionally and logically. 
thing is we jump to logic a lot of the times. So let's say, yes. yeah, you're at an eight. Let's say I'm at a three. Uh, let's say I'm at a two. Things are great. Uh, I'm just taking in the sunshine. Here we go. Just uh, got the fan in my face looking out the window. And you then come to me with, yeah, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. And uh, what about the kids? What are we going to do there? I mean, they, they're getting all cooped up. And if I, well, wait a minute. What you need to do is this, this, and that. Your brain, if you're at an eight, you're not hearing my wonderful mm. logic um, yeah. at that point, which is a disservice to you and to me. So we can even view this selfishly. If I want my beautiful wisdom to be heard, I need to then go bottom up to I need to be present with you. And that covers that safe presence that helps soothe our fight, flight, freeze. Friend or foe. Okay, this is a friend here. And then we move in emotionally to try to understand and hold that, that empathy piece of like, right. wow, no, that sounds like a lot. This is, whoa, I can see how concerning it is. Or sometimes we're just there and it's those, I don't even know what you call them, but like, hmm, like, man, that says so much. Um, it's that holding space. And what happens? It starts to bring things down. And so that rational, logical part is less washed in all the hormones, neurotransmitters that are then firing and just covering up reasonable thinking and things start to come down. And now that very same thing that you would have said at the beginning that would have been dismissed, led to a fight, and this works well for marriage too, is now there's, it's got a seat at the table because mm -hmm. we cleared some space by listening to the other ones that are screaming out, friend, foe, whoa, emotions, what's happening? Fear, terror, I don't, okay, we've heard you, we've listened. And actually they talk about name it to tame it. It starts to, yeah, fear is showing up. This is showing up, it comes down and all of a sudden, um, yeah, what's your source? I wonder uh, who told you that. Um, or I wonder if it might be good to then engage uh, financially in this way or that way, whatever it might be. And we're actually providing really good care to them. So that's where, man, I can listen to somebody for a long time. And if there's a lot of angst, I'm, I'm holding, I'm holding, I'm holding. Ah, to then come to that place of, wow, that's a lot. And now right. what's happening? I'm holding that with them. It's half as, as loaded for them. And then now can speak in some truth, if there's even room for it. Sometimes I'll even do the practical, like, ears or advice? Like, what are you looking for here? Right. Some people yeah, don't actually good. want that advice. And you can have the best advice in the world. They just want your ears, your heart, your empathy. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's fascinating to me because um, I think sometimes what happens is when you try and try and show someone that they're viewing it wrong. It actually communicates to them what they're feeling is wrong, mm -hmm. that they're wrong and they're doing something wrong and they're yeah. feeling something wrong. Don't trust yourself. And yep. it's interesting in the management world. So I'm not a doctor like you, but like um, in the management world, uh, they've done studies that show when you're dealing with staff and you're giving feedback, when you critique somebody in any kind of negative way, it's actually a different part of their brain that kicks in than when you empathetically talk to a person. It's mm -hmm. a different mm -hmm. part of the brain. And that empathetic part of the brain when you're communicating to someone, say in a management world thing, is the learning part of a brain. The part that is turned on when you critique someone negatively and they feel like they're wrong is a defense mechanism, primitive mm -hmm. part of the brain, which cannot learn. Mm -hmm. And so it's fascinating the research that if you actually want someone to learn or to change behavior, you can't criticize them. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of yeah. the science on some level. It's like you have to actually empathetically encourage and enter in with them or they can't learn new behaviors. Mm -hmm. uh, you can curb a behavior through fear or whatever one time, but you're not going to learn new pathways in your brain. So it's fascinating that it's, it's kind of similar to what you're, you're actually talking about. Now, in all of this, there's this kind of related piece, which is this loss of control issue. Mm. And I think a lot of people are feeling that even right now, that what's the thing behind some of this anxiety is just no one knows what's happening. And it's almost this like 
moment of anything could come up today, anything, and there's nothing, nothing would be a surprise. Like I could lose my job. Mm. Um, the stock market could literally go to zero. Um, you know, everyone I know could get this virus. The death rate could spread. No one would be surprised, whatever the news is, I think, at this point. And that sets people into this bizarre place, mm -hmm. it feels like, psychologically, where how do you function? Because it's interesting to me, the idea that as, as just creatures, we actually don't have much control of our world, mm -hmm. but we somehow psychologically have, I don't know, through development or evolution, I don't know, and, and God's wiring of us or whatever, we've developed these abilities to sort of hold that truth at bay that we think we have control, so we're able to function. But mm -hmm. then something like this happens and we go, it's kind of like the veil is pulled back and we mm -hmm. go, no, none of us have any control Wait over the world in our lives. Mm -hmm. How on earth do you deal with that? The fact that you just realize you have no control over the world or your own life. Yeah, well, in the least it's alarming. Um, it's unsettling as well, because even as we were talking about earlier, we try to then uh, hone in what we can. We create, they call them uh, schemas or these shortcuts. like. I can't think about all the steps of riding a bike or even forming words right now as we talk and all, I can't, like it's overwhelming. And so we create these shortcuts and then all of a sudden one of those shortcuts like, mm -mm, that doesn't fit this situation. Mm. But it's not, it's not just one, it's then multiple shortcuts and like, wait a minute, all systems go, I now need to devote all my energy into this. That's where then our system is actually working when some of that angst comes in. It's like, hey Jer, hey Josh, wake up, wake up. Uh, you need to pay attention to this. Uh, it's like you're in the mission control room and like something's off. Have you, have you seen uh, Inside Out? You know that cartoon? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, they have a cool depiction of, I think he's the green guy, the fear. Um, so yes. they're sitting at this mission control panel and you can view it like the brain. And fear's job is basically like, all right, bring it. What's happening? Um, oh, danger, danger. Um, I think they show through the, the lens of a, of a kid where he's going through. It's like, whoa, power cord. Oh, first day of school. What's happening? This could happen. Okay, is your fly up? Okay, good. We're fine right. here. And what <laughs> it's basically, we need to then tune into that. Mm. So what are we doing? We're trying to control what we can control around us. Because if we do that, then we feel like we have more power uh, within mm. that. Feeling out of control, powerless, can be overwhelming and discouraging, and then there isn't a resting place for our panic. And I, right. and I think that's one of the biggest difficulty pieces. So let's view our psyche in more of the extreme ends of, so let's say uh, like OCD, um, obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, it can be, oh man, can it be, it be debilitating? Uh, like I grieve for people who are then really caught up in that, it's very real. Um, it's an anxiety disorder. So what happens is an obsession then comes in and then the compulsion comes um, to in order to balance that out. So even for the brain, they call it the gate theory. This obsession, this fear, this worry comes in and it just starts spinning round and round and round. Right. starts grinding down. We feel it in our physiology, racing thoughts, uh, fixating on it. And then what happens is they move into more of a compulsive behavior to open that gate. If I do this, then I have a semblance of control over it. Ah, it starts mm. to come down. Um, right. And so if I, let's say it's uh, checking the stove or the locks on the door, anxiety saying, oh, did you check the door? Um, so mm. somebody without an OCD brain would be like, oh yeah, I'm pretty sure I did, or I might check one more time and then we're okay. But then if your brain um, looking for control is then, I'm not sure if I did. So sometimes people will then create rhythms or routines seven times, I'll then check the right. lock to yeah. do this. Yeah. And that's moving into controlling something that feels uncontrollable in order to bring this grounding calm within our, within our system. 
So I realize that uh, many of the people that are listening or watching, uh, they don't have OCD, yet we continue to be human. We talk about continuums of things, less categorical. And, and so what happens is, well, now health is a little bit different. Freedoms are different. Like, I can't just go out. Um, like, so Rachel and I we love walking. We've done a lot of walking in light of this. Um, and my fear is any day, it's like, no, you can't even leave um, your house and we'll follow that. That'll be hard for us. But it's we're doing the social distancing thing. So we'll be walking down the pathway in our neighborhood and then we see ahead somebody's there. We cross over to the other side, round some cars. There's another person. We're like zigzagging up and down the streets, um, just trying to go out and control a little bit of what's happening then within our world, trying to ground things a little bit in there too. And so when things change, when all of a sudden we can't go out, we can't go for walks, finances are different. I, I don't know if the next paycheck's coming in. Um, I grieve for a lot of the small businesses then um, out there right now. Of We have to then shut it down. What are we going to do and how are we going to keep things open? that should show up in your system. There should be some concern that comes with that. But then here's the tipping point of where are we looking to to find that control? Like, is it within mm. us? Like, mm. yeah, no, we're slap in the face in many ways, myself included, of you have far less control than you actually think you do, Josh. Mm. Um, and, but then what do we do with that? Like, it's unsettling. So, okay, let's clean the house. And, and for some, there's nothing wrong with that. Some of you are just loving how clean your house is. Um, it's a way to manage and soothe. The risk is when it becomes extreme um, and it gets like obsessive in that, in that regard. But then where can we actually find our anchor? So in subtle, unsettled times like this, if we're looking to ourselves to save ourselves, that angst is just gonna keep going and going and going. I don't know what tomorrow looks like, let alone an hour from now. Um, I've been limiting news contact. If I know Trudeau's speaking or the health minister, then I will then check an hour or two later for that. And then also I, I am trusting friends. So uh, Rachel, um, she's my friend and my wife, uh, but I'll check in with her. If you, if you hear something, let me know. It's this implied thing. But we're not both going to be digging into that. So get a friend if it's a difficult area for you. Realizing that I can't control things because I think um, temptations for me too and I imagine for many people out there, of I'm going to find that piece of information that's going to lead to, ah, there we go. Now I know. It's not out there. I, like I told you, I found the end of the internet. I'll right. tell you guys right now as you're looking for it. <laughs> There's nothing there. Um, and so these are the times where I think we really need to be saying, well, okay, who is in absolute control? And here, here's the risk. We start throwing verses of just trust God. He's then good. Do not be anxious about anything. Here's the thing. Those are absolute truths, right? They, are, they can be, uh, well, I'll be honest, they can be damaging to people if we are neglecting the person that we're delivering that to. If we don't have a heart for them, if we don't have that empathy, it's going to fall flat. But if we can then hear and understand where people are coming from, if we can even hear and understand like, yeah, of course I'm anxious about this, validate ourselves, and then land and anchor in those truths, like he's in absolute control. I love, uh, there's this video on the internet where it pans in, so I'm Josh sitting in Surrey, in the province of British Columbia, in Canada, in North America, uh, Western Hemisphere, world, universe, and it just starts like panning out again and again and again. And you find out how small we are, mm. how little control we are, or control we have. And then in this big picture, it's, well, and God created all of that. Like, he knows the plant. He knows tomorrow. Like, you're not going to find it on the internet. You then go to him and you anchor in the truths of his word, whether that leads to a complete soothing, relaxing experience in your body or not. What are you going to grab a hold of? Is it the internet? Is it what um, Auntie Susie's then saying? Um, is it your own devices of I'll organize this or do that? 
no, care for yourself, yes, um, but then reach on, grab a hold of who he is and his plans and his intentions then for us. And we operate in trust knowing that we can't control everything. He can. And so he's the best anchor to actually hold on to in the midst of this. Yeah, that's good. I know I, I, I've talked about it before. I'm sort of obsessed with the book. But, you know, for me, the book of Job is fascinating for this, right? It's, it's, it's the story of a person who literally his life goes completely out of control with no answers. And mm. his friends, other people want to explain away things simply, but it doesn't make sense to him. And so he has to live in this confusion of, I've had all this adversity and I don't have any idea why, and I can't change it. And there's nothing I can seem to do. But the story is fascinating to me because what the heart of the story is that Job ultimately realizes the most important thing to him is knowing he's got God or not. Mm. And that the book is really trying to tell us being able to have God is actually, that's wisdom in the midst of anything, is, is leaning into God. And uh, God, you know, at the end of the story, is, as you would know, but for, for listeners and people, is uh, God, God makes, you know, his speech at the end, and he basically says, look, Job, you're right. You don't understand any of this, but you didn't walk away from me in mm -hmm. it. Instead, you doubled down, and you, you were honest with me about how you felt, and you actually brought me into your uncertainty, and yes. you brought me into your anxiety, not with pithy little Instagram meme quotes from Christian sources or things, but like in the real raw mm -hmm. difficulty of it, you accused me of things even, but you're in the right because you, you, you came to me in this moment because I'm the one who controls it all. And that's his whole speech is, you know, who's the one who actually placed the stars? Who's the one who mm -hmm. actually can make it rain? Who's the one who can, whatever, you can't do that. I created all of this stuff. I'm the one. And so what, you know, and the thing I would like to wrap this up is, is, in, in this episode is, is this idea of us coming at this as a church from that two-pronged perspective. We have that science. We have that clinical stuff we're talking about, which is really important to not ignore. We also have this spiritual side of it. And that's what's so amazing about being a part of a church community and a family like ours is we can draw on both of those things that, yeah, there are practical things we need to do to just be smart about this stuff. But also we have such amazing truth and hope in some of this that it's an opportunity to use those together and hopefully that help. Now we're not imagining someone listens to this podcast and they're cured of some, you know, a psychological trial that they're going through, but hopefully that helps and being in community around that mm -hmm. uh, can help. So um, what we'll do is let's, we're, we got other stuff I think to hit on this issue. Sure. We'll, we'll let's turn that into the next episode. And uh, for now, I just want to thank everyone for tuning in uh, for being with us and look for part two of our Anything Goes podcast episode with Dr. Josh Cruz. Yeah, thanks, Chair. Sure.